You can now subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% off every single time they send that delicious, rich, tasty CBD-infused coffee to your door. It's a no-brainer to subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee because not only do they send it to your door for 20% off every single time, but you can set your interval of how long you want it to go in between shipments, and they'll just ship it to you. You won't even have to think about it. Your coffee will run out one day. It'll show up the next day, and you'll be ready to roll. So you know how often you need coffee. Subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and never have to worry about signing up to get your 20% off. It'll just keep coming. But if you just want one bag, you want 20% off that to try it out, you can, of course, use the code DNVR20 anytime. And, of course, if you want to try it, try it out, you can come down to the DNVR bar and try out a good old CBD-infused cold brew. It comes right out of the keg. We got a kegerator for it down here. And, oh, boy, it tastes delicious. All right, let's hop into the show. Welcome in, folks, to the DNVR Broncos podcast. DNVR Broncos live for some of you on this Saturday night. Saturday night live, you might say, <laughs> uh, here on the DNVR Broncos podcast. And before we jump into the show, I want to give a huge shout-out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. It's the place to go to get an online education. It is good, good stuff over there, rigorous and affordable online programs with the professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So make sure you check out msudenver.edu slash online for all you need. You know, the whole world is going online, and MSU Denver Online has been extremely prepared for this. So check them out. My boys, what's up, man? I'm pumped to be talking about some Saturday (laughs) football. Broncos back in the stadium today. And as crazy as it is, it was it was game like. Despite being in an empty stadium, it was game like. You had the crowd noise going, you had the music going, and you had the Denver Broncos defense going. Yeah, that's what we're hearing, Zach. And man, I, you know, I want to I want to love this defense, and I want to give them credit, and I want them to to get all the accolades that they deserve. And I truly believe they're a top ten, if not top five, defense in the national football league. But are you with me that it kind of hurts to see them dominate the offense? Like you have said they did. I just got done reading your story, which is published on the dnvr.com with tons of details. Uh, and, and it just, I don't know. It kind of stings to read stuff like that. It does. And you know what? Today, the, the defense was really good today because the offense was bad. And typically when I've given these reports of the defense dominating, it's because the defense has just been that good. But today it was the offense being bad. And so it was easy in every single part of the game for the defense to look good and be good. And and, and I want to give all the credit to the defense and certainly will, but the offense was bad. This was the first time where the offense was just off in every single stage. The offensive line was off. Drew Locke was off multiple times today, and his receivers were off. I mean, you had Cortland Sutton. Oh, Mace, we're used to Cortland Sutton dropping the first pass of the day and then stepping up and running away with it from there. No, Cortland Sutton dropped multiple passes. He was off with Drew Locke, although Drew took the blame for that one, and he was Drew was off overthrowing receivers left and right. And boy, it just reminded me of the offense we've been watching the past four years. Now, I do think it's going to be way better than those offenses. But in the first real full scrimmage, it was all defense because of the offense. OK, this is how I read what you're saying and uh, the reports that are coming out from the practices. 
how I read it is that this is something where you should prepare yourself as a Broncos fan watching this show for an offense that is going to be clunky and inconsistent early while while it finds its way. Because here you go, you're playing at the closest thing to full speed that you've seen throughout the summer, and it had a bad day. And I think this sort of plays into the notion that with a lot of young players on offense, with a new scheme, it's going to take some time for this thing to find a consistent form. Yep, you're you're 100% right, Mace. And, uh, you know, the first week of camp, the offense was clicking. The offense was looking good, uh, especially all the young parts. Drew was looking really good. And we were kind of thinking, was John Elway wrong to say that, that we should temper the expectations for the offense? And now you get this next week of camp in the books, especially this scrimmage, and you're thinking, no, I think John Elway was 100% correct on that. So I'm not worried about this offense long term. But certainly the reality of expecting a slow start has definitely sunk in. And it's something we need to be prepared for week one on September 14th through week four through eight. Maybe that's when it really, really starts clicking. Ryan, you're shaking your head. <laughs> no, no, I won't do for me. I'm going to be honest, guys. Like, oh. like I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, you know, it's okay for the offense to just ease their way into things and be good in week six. Like that's just, it, they don't have time for that. Uh, they, they, this is a team that started 0-4 last year and saw their ship sink before it even left the dock. And... um Oof. Well, I understand why you're saying that might happen. We like that. That's not acceptable. Uh, yeah. It just isn't. So yeah, that's very they're going <laughs> to have to figure this out one way or another between now and, and it doesn't have to be week one, but maybe it's week two, maybe it's week three. Like it, there, there's not six weeks to sit back and, and figure it out. I realize this is a weird season and they've got a young offense and all that. There's plenty of excuses out there for them, but I'm not letting them off the hook like that. Okay. Uh, it's just, it, that's not acceptable. But that's why you have this defense. You've got a defense that supposedly should be able to carry this team and this offense through stretches where it looks kind of clunky and awkward. So you tell Drew Locke, okay, hey, try to avoid the big mistake. Ball security is job security, as Brock Osweiler said three years ago. And yeah, you're trying to win game 17-13, which I know is probably going to cause some people to tear the hair follicles out of their scalps because of what we've seen the last few years. But you should have a defense that is good enough to hold up its end of the bargain and ensure that you're not 0-4, that you're 2-2 and or 3-3 and until you get this offense figured out. And if you're 500 with that extra team going to the playoffs out of each conference this year, that puts you in position to make a run. That's totally fair. It it uh, it does. Now, guys, good news and bad news. I'll hit we hit you with uh, the the good news first, and that's that the Broncos won the scrimmage today. So very good news. Broncos get the dub today. Don't have to worry about being five hundred. And the bad news is, Mace, you said uh, you said Drew Lock just needs to avoid the big mistake, and that did that did not happen today, <laughs> guys. There were eight possessions. Uh, of the first-team offense going against the first-team defense today. Four in the first half, four in the second half. You guys already know the answer, so I'm not even going to ask. Zero touchdowns from the Broncos' first-team offense. And let me break down how those possessions went. The very first series, 
The Broncos got a first down, and then they were forced to punt. The second series, Drew Locke throws a pick. That's the one where he was off with Cortland Sutton. Cortland was running uh, kind of a, a stop and go, and Drew threw the stop. So it was an easy mm. pick for Devontae Harris, who was right there. Drew took accountability for that one, said that was all on him after. But right there, I mean, that and that was in the red zone too. Devontae caught it right around the 20-yard line. So brutal mistake there. Uh, the, the offense bounces back by a turnover on downs. But Vic Fangio says, you know what? I'm going to give you guys another shot. Stay out there after. I'm going to give you a fifth down. We're going to go full CU on Love this. A down. Love a good fifth down. <laughs> oh, don't go and, there. <laughs> and the offense says, no, thanks. We don't really want uh, it four more downs. So settle for a field goal. Um, and let me remind uh, that drive started at, uh, the defense is 30. So they didn't have to go anywhere to get a field goal and they didn't go anywhere. Uh, and then the next drive to round out the half was an interception. Uh, Justin Simmons picked off a pass in the middle of the field. It seemed like there was a miscommunication between Noah Fant and drew lock. Noah turned to his right. Uh, on a five-yard stick, Drew Lockett looked like threw, threw it to, to Noah Fant's turning left, but Drew said that wasn't a miscommunication after practice. So just a bad ball bad from Drew. Mm. Yeah, bad throw by, by Drew. Justin Simmons picks it off. Um, and then uh, Vic says, you know what? We're almost at halftime. Try another one. I'll, I'll let you guys out there again. And uh, they weren't able to, to get anything. So the first half was rough. And just because of the way the offense has responded throughout the rest of the camp, I was expecting in the second half something. Something. They open the second half, guys. Von Miller comes out with a sack. Probably would have been a strip sack in the game. But the, the play goes on. And the uh, play goes on to be an incompletion. And then the offense actually gets some momentum after that. They get two first downs, and Vic Fangio says, nope, I'm cutting it off. You guys have to punt. So just the time the offense oh. was picking it up, they punt, and that was the only good news that, that I can deliver. The next two drives start on the 13-yard line. The defense is 13-yard line, so 13 yards from the end zone. The next two drives, and they settle for field goals both times. Don't even get a first down. Um, it, there was an overthrow to Judy there. There was one completion to Vanette, which went for, which went for eight yards. Um, and Shelby Harris had a PBU. So two field goals when you're starting from the 13 yard line. I mean, just, just imagine in a game, this is the second half. Your defense gets a turnover at the 13 yard line, back to back series. And you get six points out of it. That just, yeah. that takes the wind out. And then the final possession of the day. The Broncos started at midfield and they start off the drive with a three yard screen to Noah Fant. So second and seven. Okay. Not, not ideal. Uh, then Vaughn gets a sack and would have been a sack, but Drew gets it out because they let the play continue and Cortland Sutton drops it. I mean, hits both of his hands, drops it would have been a first down. And then Justin Simmons has a PBU at the line of scrimmage uh, to force Brandon McManus to hit a 60 yard field goal, which he did. And nice. he had he had room to spare, so Brandon McManus for the first team offense was uh, the OPOY for the day. Well, you say that uh, you talk about uh, 
having to imagine it. We don't have to imagine it, Zach, because we've seen this for the last four years of Broncos football. So it's fresh in our minds, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how was the run game, Zach? A lot about the pass game. Did they run the ball at all? Yeah, they, they did run the ball. And there it probably would have been three or four yard gains all day, which is better than the the passing game was doing. But this was a scrimmage. They were in full pads. You had some guys decked out, but they they were barely even thudding each other. So it was really tough to see, you know, if Philip Lindsay would have been stopped one and a half yards at the pass line of scrimmage or if he would have been able to break it off for 10. So that's why it, it wasn't a full scrimmage in that sense. But speaking of the running game, more Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Melvin Gordon did not participate in the team part of practice. Uh, he was out there for the first parts of practice. And uh, while Vic Fangio does expect Melvin to be back sometime this week participating in full, he said it is a concern anytime a guy isn't out there. So that's something to keep an eye on because it's a rib injury for a running back. There's a chance that he doesn't want to get tweaked up anymore in the next two weeks before opening day. So we may not see Melvin. I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see Melvin it getting full team reps until week one opening night. Uh, but Royce Freeman stepping right in for him. Of course, Philip Lindsay what was the guy he's starting running back today with Melvin out. Well, with that, then who do you think is going to start week one? I mean, all of a sudden I'm saying, fine, if Philip Lindsay's going to start week one, if they're going to be easing Melvin Gordon back in, and that's okay. I mean, then, and it may be uh, a little, a week or two before we see that 50-50 split, but certainly I think Philip Lindsay's got a window here to actually be the first running back out off the sideline when games start. Don't give Philip Lindsay a head start. You'll never catch him. That's all oh, I'm man. saying for Melvin Gordon. Mm. <laughs> Phil would love that. Phil would love the opportunity to to take and run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, can't blame yeah. Him. I I just I just finished up a thirty round dynasty league fantasy draft here at the DNVR bar, uh, and I got Philip Lindsay in the fifth round shortly after Melvin Gordon went and felt great about it. <laughs> well today he he would have been getting all the fantasy points for for those two um zach what about the you know how much of these struggles were on the offensive line you've talked a lot about drew Locke, but we know that the right side of the offensive line has been a problem it was when i was at practice yesterday how much do you blame uh on the offensive line on today's practice yeah it's i mean unfortunately the right side of the offensive line and Elijah Wilkinson. It was Vaughn Miller who was consistently there. Now, there were a few blitzes where Alexander Johnson got in the backfield. Kareem Jackson would have had a sack on a safety blitz. And like I mentioned at the very end of practice, Justin Simmons came on an interior blitz and had a PBU. But outside of that, the, the pocket itself wasn't collapsing on Drew over and over and over again. It was, the I should say, the entire pocket. It was the right side. And mm-hmm. now what, what what maybe affected that was Bradley Chubb went out about midway through practice, and it was it was a tense moment for, for a little bit there. Bradley Chubb immediately went to the bench, and trainers went to look at the left knee, which he had ACL surgery on last year, took his brace off, was looking at it, but then he did get up, was walking around. Uh, it seems like it was just a scare. He had ice on it for the rest of practice. Von Miller, after practice, said Bradley Chubb's fine. Compared the two to Ferraris, 
and says, sometimes the check engine light comes on in Ferraris and it doesn't mean it's broke. Vic Fangio seemed to be optimistic about it, but guys, I'm just going to wait until Monday until I'm saying that this injury is fully in the clear because that's scary when we're, when we're talking about the exact same knee that had an ACL and it was enough of a scare to keep him out the rest of practice. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I think the thing you have to consider is, okay, uh, what does this do for his rehab? And is this something where pushing back as he did and getting as many snaps as he has in the few, last few weeks has exacerbated? Did they get him out there before he was ready? And uh, I would look at this, and unless there's something unusual about this injury, this aggravation, this strain, whatever it is, I'd be putting the bubble wrap on, quite frankly, with Bradley Chubb. And uh, I'd, I'd have him on a pretty strict pitch count. Even if he says he's ready to go in week one, I'd still be going into it thinking, all right, but we're not going above, say, 35 snaps. I mean, this is where you've, you've got to focus on the long term here with Bradley Chubb. Because remember, this is his second ACL injury, not his first. Yeah, God, I hate this. And, and Zach, you know, you're the only one who um, who saw the body language out there. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing when it comes to this stuff is like, you know, he said after practice just didn't feel right. So he went and talked to the trainers and they said, yeah, it's fine. But but how did his what was his body language like? Did he look upset? He he immediately went to the bench, and that that's when it was a concern. When he goes straight there and is calling the trainers over, but after he he seemed okay, which was which was one of the most encouraging parts. So so good question there, Ryan. Um, and if he's back out there on Monday with no limitations, then I'm thinking okay, it really was just he he got freaked out, and so they shut him down. That was smart. If he has any limitations, Mace, I'm right there with you. You got to play the long game with Bradley Chubb, just like you're doing with yeah. KJ Hamler. And yeah. this is because KJ, this is a hamstring again. He had this at the combine, why he didn't run the 40. And obviously, Chubb, again, an even more severe injury with, with the torn ACL. So I, I totally agree with you guys. And there was other bad news on the injury front today. Uh, Graham Glasgow went out early in practice. Well, hobbling off, went straight to the locker room, did not return yet. Austin Schlotman come in for him. Um, and speaking of Schlotman, Lloyd Cushenberry was the starting center all day. Uh, you know, who knows if he would have been the starting center for the rest of practice. But Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that competition's over. I think it's Cushenberry's job. But Schlotman may still have the job, unfortunately. Um, Vic Fangio said that he tweaked his knee. Um, that Glasgow tweaked his knee, but didn't know how bad it was. So uh, we will definitely be in wait and see mode for that one. And that would, I mean, he's your highest paid offensive lineman. He's your off highest paid offensive player right now. It, you can't really overstate how big of a loss that would be. Let's not think about the cost because if you if something happens to Glasgow and you think of what you're paying him and what you paid Juwan James last year, Oh, um, that yeah. that's kind of frightening. Uh, Schlopman being right guard, couple of things. Number one, doesn't surprise me that he's the guy that goes, and I think pretty clearly he is the top interior backup on, among that group. Secondly, you talked about the right side of the offensive line struggling. Of course, we've discussed Elijah Wilkinson over the days, but uh, was some of that Schlopman as well? Yeah, it, it was. 
And maybe the blitzes that were coming inside, he wasn't picking up and having that communication, especially with Lloyd Cushenberry. They're fighting for the same job. They haven't been working next to each other. So that definitely could have been the case. But I mean, Von Miller, Von Miller did have a great sack coming on a stint, which could have been on the right guard. So yeah, that definitely could have been, but it, it was really Von Miller that was crushing practice. And every time, but that stint, he was coming from the outside. So uh, Schlotman was getting pushed back a little bit, but not terrible. Okay. That makes sense. Oh man. This is a, where are you at in terms of your confidence in the defense versus your confidence in the offense after seeing them kind of go, uh, go live today? Yeah, today it definitely was the first time where I was thinking maybe this is more on the offense than the defense being dominant. But, I mean, you still have all the pieces on defense. Von Miller, man, it, it probably all comes down to Von Miller. If Von Miller really is as good as he's been this training camp going up against start, true starting right tackles, then this defense is going to be great because this defense, the quarterback's always going to have pressure in his face. You're going to have interior pressure from Casey, and the, the secondary is going to be fine. But if quarterbacks get all day in the pocket to sit there because it's really Elijah Wilkinson that's letting Von Miller come through and through and through, then you could see cracks uh, in the secondary. Today, I got to say, Isaac Yadam uh, and Devontae Harris both looked really good as the third corners when they were in there. So I, I was very impressed with both of those guys today. Um, any reps for DeMar Dotson with the ones? No. So no. does that tell you that Elijah Wilkinson was playing <laughs> to the capabilities that Vic Fangio believes he is capable of? I mean, one day after Vic Fangio says that Elijah comes out and, you know, I, I wonder how much of a benefit of the doubt they're giving him because he's going against Von Miller. Are, are, is that going to take until after Tennessee for them to say, okay, it's not just going against Von Miller? Or are they going to say after Monday night, they're going to say, you know what? Yeah, this guy held his own, only allowed one sack or no sacks or one pressure. And it's just Von Miller's that good. Okay. You can't give the Von Miller benefit of the doubt out, uh, to be honest, in my opinion. Just because <clears throat> there are so many players that are that good in this league that you're going right. to face. Uh, Especially you know. in this division. Yeah, and, you know, Vaughn's great, um, but there's lots of guys out there. There's Joey Bosa. Uh, in week two, you're going to see TJ Watt. Uh, you're going to have to face Shaq Barrett at some point this year. Week uh, three. Week three. <laughs> yeah, you know? that, yeah, think about what you're seeing in the first few weeks of the season here, guys. I mean, we we talked TJ. You got TJ Watt, and you got Bud Dupree in Pittsburgh, and then you got you got Shaq Barrett, and the Bucks have a good interior pass rush as well. This is this is this is going to be pretty heavy early for this team. Yeah, exactly. And again, I would just so much rather have the guy out there who has been doing this for ten years, uh, and yeah. is going to say like, you know, he's probably going to get beat. Anyone will if they go up against those guys. Yeah, but you know that he has the experience under his belt to not get in his head, to stick with his technique, to just be a sound player who knows, okay, I'm going to get beat here and there, but I'm not going to let one mistake compound another. Uh, I would just feel so much more comfortable with that. I just, you know, again, I get what, what, uh, what, what Vic Fangio was saying the other day is Elijah's to lose. Okay. But I feel like he's losing it and they aren't <laughs> acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly feels like. And so so when's the turning point going to be? Uh, we saw after an off day, 
That's when DeMar Dotson got his first reps with the first team yesterday after the Broncos were off for two days. They have an off day tomorrow, and this was kind of the biggest test in, in a live scrimmage. Is the change going to happen Monday? Are we going to see DeMar Dotson at least get one more series with the ones? Are we going to see him split the time? And now's, now's the time to, if you're not going to at least make the move, now's the time to try something else and experiment, get DeMar Dotson half the reps, because you got one week left of training camp. Yep. It's, uh, <sighs> it's come up on us quick. So you got it, it, right, like you said, if you're going to make this move, you got to make it soon. Uh, and it just doesn't feel like they are. And, and I really hope it's not that halftime of game one where you're saying, okay, you know, we got to do something here because we're losing 17-7 or whatever it may be. Yeah, because our quarterback's been sacked four times. Another scare today was Drew Locke's foot was stepped on oh. uh, on a third down incompletion. And he hobbled off, and that was just that was terrifying for a minute. Uh, he turned out okay. Didn't even have trainers look at him. Just obviously, it hurts when you get stepped on. But who knew what was happening there? And it just it just gives you terrible thoughts of what this offense would be. <laughs> Although Jeff Driscoll was uh, better than Drew Locke today, I don't think that would have been the case if uh, Drew was going up against the twos and Jeff was going up against the ones but this is the best i've seen jeff driscoll look so guys maybe he's just a gamer uh may, maybe <laughs> yeah, when the lights go on metaphorically speaking of course he was going against the twos was he not yeah exactly he, he was going up against the twos and, he, and it's yeah. not like he was perfect he did have a pick um but albert oh well, real quick though like okay malik reed i i know he didn't do it on purpose but if I'm the coach, he's running gassers until the sun goes down tonight. You do not ever step on my quarterback's foot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> Malik Reed just got uh, got his foot in there. Oh. Uh, and, and, and speaking of Malik Reed and, and the number twos, Albert O was the player of the day on the offensive side of the ball. Now, he was going up against the twos all practice. That's That's important to know. But this guy, guys. I just like the veterans are praising Jerry Judy. This guy has quietly got some incredible praise from veterans today. Drew Locke was asked about Alberto after practice and he just got this smirk on his face, which just said more than his answer itself. And then his answer was great too. He said he's sneaky fast in the red zone. He can just squeeze by and get open. And we saw that today. We saw it twice. He got a, He had a touchdown pass on a little two yard bootleg where he just, he just got open in the defense, made the catch, and then another one. It was a great little uh, play design where, you know, the quarterback runs out. I'm just forgetting the name of the play. And you have the tight end who's following, but on the inside, and the tight end kind of pitches it shovel. to him. Yeah, yeah they, they had the yeah. shovel pass. Uh, and somehow, you know, 6'5", 260 pounds, he slides by the defense, gets in for the easy score, made another nice catch for a first down in the red zone. Uh, now, he did bobble a ball, which I believe was picked off after. So he's not perfect either. But the the promise that he showed through two weeks, you know, he started off working with the third team. Now he's working with the second team. With the way Drew likes him, the chemistry they have, I know you have Noah Fant. But this guy has just flashed too much not to at least have certain packages for him. Love it. I love that idea. And I love the fact that the Broncos – for the first time in a while, have some uh, some dynamic players uh, at the tight end position, and they're so deep there. 
you know, Jake Butt, um, the buzz has kind of worn off a little bit. Uh, you haven't heard his name in a while now. But, you know, even without him, even if you just said Nick Vanette, Noah Fant, Albert O, you're saying like, wow, that is a, a group that could do some damage. And again, and the long-term projection for Albert Okuebunam is, uh, is legitimate. So that's exciting for the Broncos, you know. Maybe uh, I hate that I'm saying this, and and I don't want I don't want to go here this early, but maybe it's not this year for the offense. Uh, and maybe they're able to fortify the offensive line over the next twelve months. Uh, and and maybe next year this offense is really something special, you know. And and that doesn't mean they can't be good enough this year to get the Broncos into the playoff discussion. But I'm so ready for this offense to be legitimate. And they have so many pieces that they should and could be legitimate. But it does – it is starting to feel like that offensive line um, could hold them back this year, which was something that we knew in the back of our heads all along, especially after Juwan James opted out. So maybe, you know, between now and, and a year from now, they're able to take care of that portion of things, and then they could be really, really scary. And this is where you have to look for just kind of – incremental improvement and step back as you get close to the end of the season or at the end of the season. And if you look down and say the offense averaged 22 and a half points per game, it may not be something that in a vacuum moves the needle, but then you look and say, well, my goodness, that was four and a half, five points more than they averaged a year before. So I think that's where we're going to be sitting at the end of the season with this offense in that it made the leap to average. Yep. And it's yep. not sexy, but if the defense does what you expect it to, an average offense plus this defense, gentlemen, this is why last December I said this team was going to the playoffs in 2020. Yeah. Well, and yeah, exactly, Mason. If you look at the long term projections, especially just one year from now, after this season, if, if unless things go colossally wrong on the offensive side, you should really only have one hole to fill. Now, I would say two left tackle and right tackle, but Juwan James is your right tackle next year because right. of the money he's owed. Left tackle, that I mean, that's it. it. Your receivers are set. Your tight ends are set. Your running backs are set. Your quarterback is set. Your left guard, center, right guard is set. So one position to, yeah. to take off. So it's definitely very encouraging when you look at the long play. I know Ryan doesn't doesn't want to believe it, and, and I understand it, but just maybe a slow start this year. Yeah. You just hope that that start can end at some point in the first half of the season. You have continuity. That's I mean, that's huge. How often do you hear that from coaches and players? And how often has the Bronco have the Broncos had continuity on offense the last five years? Every year, a new coordinator, new wrinkles, maybe not new language, but a lot of new stuff flowing at you. So. And you mentioned that. Imagine a scenario, Zach and RK, where you've got 10 starters back and or not maybe nine starters because you'll insert Jawan James and he's not playing this year. But nine starters back, Pat Shermer back as the OC, no schematic changes and all these young players one year more experienced. I, I feel pretty good about this offense being something special in due time. It's just I don't know if it's going to be this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair. It's fair. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to say that that shouldn't ever happen. You know, that, that, 
that that's not going to happen where the offense takes a little bit of time to get back to it. But I'm just, I don't want that to be okay. Uh, It it shouldn't be accepted because uh, this team cannot afford to ease their way in the first six weeks, first six Mm -hmm. weeks of the season. They got to go out and get some wins. Yeah. Yeah, they they absolutely have to. And and it seems like it's going to be on the back of the defense. And uh, Trey Marshall, made a play today with the second team defense, had a pick, just read a a play perfectly, read the quarterback's eyes the whole way, jumped the route. Uh, We know he's the third safety, but haven't seen anything else. So it's good to see a little flash from him being being the Broncos' third safety. A couple other notes from practice today, guys. Jerry Judy uh, had a fantastic 50-yard catch down the middle of the field in tight coverage. A great ball thrown by Jeff Driscoll. Uh, and so it was going against the second team, but man, it was good to see that because it was a contested catch. He went up high point at the ball, made the catch at the 10 yard line. So it would have been a huge play. Nice. Love to hear it. Anything mm-hmm. else we need to know, Zach? Uh, starting, we, we finally got to see a little bit of special teams and to no surprise, Deontay Spencer starting punt returner, starting kick returner. All right, mm-hmm. yeah. We kind of had him penciled <laughs> in, and it's probably time to get out the old Sharpie for him. What about uh, what about uh, any takes on the punter position? Ah, Sam Martin. I got to see him punt to the right, guys. And as we found out earlier this week, what a rare sight that is to see. <laughs> and he had, and I don't know if this punt was to the right or not, but he had a boomer. It was great. And then he followed it up with a punt to the right that went 32 yards. Mm. So that that wasn't good. Nobody's perfect. But (laughs) he needs to be consistent because the reason why the last guy isn't here anymore, Colby Wadman, was that he was maddeningly inconsistent. And, you know, punting to the left, he's, you know, know, he's he's downright robotic. It's the same same thing over and over. Punting to the right, uh, not so much. But Stop just putting... haven't punted to the left. <laughs> you know, oh, man. maybe on the four-year plan. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, really oh, quick, what, what, one more note. Draymond Jones, I noticed him on the field a lot. Uh, mm. Opposite uh, Jarrell Casey, so it was Shelby Harris who was coming out for him. Shelby did have a, a PBU on the day, but Draymond Jones was on the field a lot. Yeah, and are you talking about sub package or base? Because we've been seeing the the Draymond Jones Jarrell Casey sub package in pass rush situations a lot without a nose tackle there. But did we have Draymond Jones working in that three man line in the base? That's that's my yep. question. Yep, he was okay. in there for both. With Mike Purcell in between them. That's huge. And uh I mean, it could be trending toward Shelby Harris being the rotational guy and Draymond Jones being the starter. It's nothing that Shelby Harris hasn't done, but Draymond Jones, every day, it seems like he makes a play or two. And he's the future. Zach, here's the last thing. Uh, Apparently, Drew Locke pulled a Zach. (laughs) Yes, he did, man. I so wanted to yell it. No, I could have yelled it on the Zoom, and I was (laughs) muted anyway. So, uh, yeah, uh, someone was was muted, and Drew called him out on it. (laughs) <laughs> that's hilarious that's so good oh. all right i think that's going to wrap it up for the live portion of the show thanks to everyone who tuned in with us on this saturday night of course 
as training camp uh, wraps up this week. We'll still be going live after each and every practice, so stay tuned with us for that. And, of course, if you want to get your questions in, which, of course, we will answer, uh, you can always go to the edmdr.com slash subscribe, become a member, and join us uh, in the podcast format of this where we will give you all of the answers to all of your questions. All right, we're rolling along on the podcast format uh, of the show, and shout-out to everyone who tuned into the live and tuned into the podcast as well, or just those of you who are with us still on the podcast, riding along with us. Of course, it's time to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, you know, I told you guys I had a fantasy draft at 2 p.m. today, and uh, I had a, qu- a couple Breck brews during that. It was quite nice, and I'm going to have a couple more Breck brews after we finish the show here, Mace. Uh, so shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery the official beer of DNVR and the official drink of DNVR. Damn good beers. Nothing quite like them. Shout out Breckenridge Brewery. And of course, to DraftKings Sportsbook, we did the old eye test game here at the DNVR bar today while we were in the middle of our draft. Uh, the uh, the draft, or it's the uh, UFC undercard came on. We just, you know, you just, you, wa- you watch them walk into the ring, you pick one, you throw five bucks on it or whatever, and you have fun cheering them on. Uh, it's the type of stuff you can do at DraftKings Sportsbook. Tons of great bonuses going on. Tons of great stuff. So check out DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Of course, you must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires a 25x playthrough. And restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. You think there's some action going on on that Central Arkansas-Austin P game tonight, kicking off college football season down in Montgomery, Alabama? I would venture to guess it might be the most uh, bet on college football game. From What conference is that, Mace? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I think Central Arkansas is the Southland and Austin P is the Ohio Valley. And they're playing at a neutral site. I mentioned in Montgomery, Alabama. I believe there are 2,500 people there. There were no ticket sales. They all went straight to the universities and to some sponsors. Uh, yeah, I bet that's the most bet on game for <laughs> that either of those two have ever uh, participated in. Hey, Central Arkansas, alma mater of Hunter Watts. Don't forget. Alma mater also <laughs> of uh, Scotty Pippen? Correct. Yeah, I knew. I remember. Good. I remember how it was in the P in the PA before the game from Central Arkansas, like that. <laughs> That's what I always. That, anytime Central Arkansas came up with Hunter Watts, that's how I heard Central Arkansas in my mind's ear. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, let's uh, let's move oh, into the questions man. from our loyal <laughs> listeners here, Mason. I'll let you take the first one. Ooh, Benny Lava with the first one. All right, nope. I went by top rate. It's actually, actually, Windy City Bronco, pardon me. With Very the first fitting, comment. considering what we were just talking about. Exactly. On the podcast the other day, you talked about continuing the conversation. Have you considered just dedicating a segment to talking about racial justice once per week? Spend 15 to 20 minutes at different times each week. Maybe bring in a guest from the Broncos or a foreign Bronco to talk about their personal experiences. I just hate that we only talk about this when people die. And I put this in the comment section, but... Frankly, I think that's a phenomenal, phenomenal idea. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's always time uh, to, to – or there should always be time to try and find uh, – to talk about just doing the right thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's something that could certainly fit in 
to the segment. So uh, thanks for the suggestion, Windy City Bronco. Yeah, that's tremendous. Johnny G, I'm still numerous days behind on the podcast. I'll be working my way through them this weekend, hopefully. But one question that has come up in my mind is, if Todd Davis does miss some significant time, I don't know what his injury status is right now, why wouldn't the Broncos sign Brandon Marshall back? Thanks for all you do, Johnny G. Um, Because Brandon Marshall isn't very good and wasn't very good for the last two years of his contract. And he got cut by the Raiders last year in camp, of course. They had him in, and they he was even featured a little bit on Hard Knocks last year, but uh, did not make the roster. Uh, with, with Brandon Marshall, I mean, unfortunately, he's somebody, he's, you know, he's going to be 31 years old next month. And remember, the last few years for Brandon Marshall, uh, injury prone. And I think you have somebody who just had some accumulated wear and tear uh, that added up for him. He missed five games in 16, five games in 18. Of course, remember he had the screws in his in his wrist for a while that he had to have taken out. And it just it's one of those kind of unfortunate things, but I just don't know that he would have very much left in the tank if the Broncos brought him in. Yeah, absolutely. Next one's from Hey Duke Abides. I was putting together my 53-man roster. For the most part, it seems pretty straightforward. One spot I wasn't sure, too sure, though, was the D-line. Who's the backup for Purcell at nose? They've used a bunch of different guys there in, in practice. I've even seen Demarcus Walker getting some work at nose tackle on the second team. So I think it's going to be one of those things where it kind of happens uh, by committee. If they end up having to uh, relieve Mike Purcell at some point, you may see a little of Christian Covington. You may see Demarcus Walker. Maybe the fact that Demarcus Walker has gotten some snaps there is what allows him to stick to a roster spot, even though it looks like McTelvin Ejim has pushed him out of playing time rotationally at defensive end. Yeah, you know, and I think Ajim might be a guy who eventually uh, could work his way into the nose tackle position. He's so big. Yeah, and it, it would give you a chance to get him out there immediately, an opportunity that might not exist at defensive end. Now, I think two years from now, you're talking about the starting defensive ends being Draymond Jones and McTelvin Ajim. But if you can get him out there and he can handle the, the role – why not try to get him some snaps there? Yeah, exactly. I think third downs, you know, that sort of thing, might, you might be able to get him out there and, and see if you can uh, get some production out of him. Yep. The one thing they really loved is that he could push the pocket and, and create interior pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's hard to find. I mean, you, you find those guys that can uh, rush the pass or you cling to them. Threat level midnight. Fellas, I am back and more excited for this season than I've been since 2015. I resubscribed to ask an unrealistic dream question. What would the Broncos have to do to get Luke Keekley to come out of retirement and play for them? Well, it's great to have you back there at Level Midnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to too quickly dismiss your question here. But um, first of all, I don't think Luke Keekley's coming out of retirement for anything. And second of all, if he did, Mace, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that he would have to be a Panther first. The Panthers would have to decide to trade him to the Broncos. Yeah, and uh, he's been uh, thinking about even joining the Panthers staff in their uh, football operations scouting department. So the other thing that you'd need for Luke Keekley to play, uh, sadly, you'd need a, a cure for, uh, for the concussions that have ravished him and forced his early retirement. You know, Keekley's going to be an interesting Hall of Fame discussion in a few years because 
he's somebody that playing at the level that he did, he was playing at a can't he was playing at a Canton worthy level and he was on that trajectory before the concussion struck. And if we see more guys ending their careers early because of concussions or concussion concerns, there may be more of those short career players that we start talking about as as Hall of Fame candidates. I mean, I would I, I watched a lot of Luke Keekley, seeing a lot of NFC South games. I mean, that's the guy played at a Hall of Fame level, and he would have kept playing if not for the concussions. So, give me some interesting debates there with guys like him. Yep, and the next one's you too, Mace. Oh yes, of course, because it's our good friend, the Count. As I uh, find the window here, I have too many things open. My bad. Count Lockula says. On my walk to the University of Montana every day, I see myriad Black Lives Matter signs in the windows of the houses lining the streets. This makes me proud to be a Missoulian. I wish I could have that same feeling about our country in general. Everyone should be taking up the cause of caring about people that need a voice, should we not? How can anyone ever turn a blind eye to those who are hurting? Love, the Count. Such a good question. And, you know, uh, Joe Burrow, I thought, had a great tweet about this where he said, you know, how could you see these people hurting and say anything but I have your back or I'm with you, yeah. I stand beside you. And, you know, you know what, Mace, I, I found the answer and I don't like the answer, but I, the, to me the answer is that in, in 2020, everyone thinks that anything that goes on in any which way is some sort of political stunt. And if they don't agree with it, they instantly disagree with it vehemently. And that's how you have people disagreeing with the idea that black lives matter. Like, it's, it's unbelievable to me that anyone could disagree with that simple statement. Don't bring up the organization and this, that, the other thing. Like, the simple right. statement. People are disagreeing with that, Mace, because they think it's political and they think it's a, it's a stunt to do one thing or the other politically and and it's sad it's sad that that's what our country has come to because we're so politically divided more than i've ever seen in my lifetime uh and it causes everyone to 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 feel like they have to be on the tips of their toes waiting to be blindsided by some sort of political stunt which i i think causes us to lose sight of the fact that people are just hurting and in need and, and need our support yeah 100% we take these things that should be about humanity about basic decency humanity empathy treating our fellow human beings with respect and dignity and love and turn it into something political and turn it into something zero sum as if to as if acknowledging someone else's humanity means somehow that's taking away from uh everything you want out of life and that's just not that's just not the case and uh i hope we can get out of this on this is where being a pessimist is not always the, the, the best thing because I tend to uh, see where things have gone and I'm looking for a pivot for a turnaround and it's kind of hard to find. But uh, I guess I'll just use a, an old Star Trek quote from then Captain Spock who uh, said you have to have faith that the universe will work out as it should. I think that's the best we've got at this point. <laughs> yeah. Remove any lava. Hey, y'all, I posted a long one to yesterday's pod, but it must have been too late. But the blue for that is that I love y'all in this community and want to express gratitude for the opportunity for people to express themselves on a safe platform. Football question. 
If we try and slide Brett Rip into the practice squad, assuming he hasn't taken over the starting free safety spot, is there <laughs> that the Eagles would pick him up with his connection to Skangs and Carson Wentz's injuries history? Wouldn't uh, wouldn't that make sense? I think we probably need to keep him on the fifty-five if we want him. Okay, uh, look at the Eagles' quarterback depth chart right now. Remember they drafted Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. here and. Hertz has turned some heads at Eagles camp from reading uh, the reports coming out of Philadelphia, but they've also hung on to Nate Sudfeld there for a long time. Yep. He knows the scheme well, and there's a level of trust there. And of course, Carson Wentz's injury history plays into this as well. I don't think the Eagles are cutting Nate Sudfeld. They're definitely not cutting Wentz or Hertz. And that would lead to no room at the end for Brett Rippon on the Eagles if the Broncos did decide to let him go. Yeah, I think if he was just out, the Broncos cut him, and he was just out there, they might pick him up and try to add him to their practice squad or something like that. But Brett Uh, might want to come back to the practice squad here in that case. He might prefer that scenario. Totally. Um, So, yeah, I guess it would be something to keep an eye on, but yeah, I think that he probably ends up staying here on the practice squad. Quickly, I got a new Sorry, mate. my Sir- Siri on my watch was talking, and that's oh, what I, that was. I, I can barely hear it. Um, <laughs> I got a new Manscaped product the other day, Mace. This one's called the Weed Whacker. Uh, it's for your nose hairs. And, yeah, that's how old I am now. Uh, I have to trim my nose hairs, which is not something I was expecting to come up on me. But it came out of nowhere. I was like, why is my nose so tickled? And uh, I, ha- I had to take action. I I originally had some other product from, you know, some like as seen on TV thing that I was using that was terrible. Uh, Allie used to just laugh at me because every time I used this thing to trim my nose hair, my eyes would water like a freaking waterfall. I got the uh, weed whacker they have over there at Manscaped. Use that thing. It was completely painless. No tears coming out of my eyes. Just buzz, buzz, buzz. The job was done. So shout out to Manscaped. You can get the Weed Whacker or any other product from Manscaped for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code DNVR20. A lot of products that you need, that you know you need, a bunch more that you didn't know you need until you got them. So check out Manscaped and then all they have to offer today. And yeah. also, go ahead. Well, no, when you're talking about the Weed Whacker, first of all, Manscaped has the best names for it for its products its tools i i I, never fails to bring a smile to my face yeah they're good the second thing is yeah nose hair where it gets really dangerous rk is if you hear a whistle when you breathe and that means the air coming through your nostrils is uh stirring the the nose hair and that's when you know you really need a trim trim and that's when you know you really need the weed the weed whacker right away yeah, you definitely need it eventually because that is an uncomfortable feeling, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Um, ne- next thing I have to give a shout-out to is, uh, is WGT Golf. Got another tournament coming up, the DNVR Fantasy Open. Of course, we launched DNVR Fantasy this week. You might have seen the podcast pop up in the Broncos feed during the week. Uh, Henry and Andre and Guy. Uh, a Guy is a, a production person here at DNVR. He's done an amazing job, but he's also a huge fantasy guy. Uh, which is why we call him Fantasy Guy, which is not only his name, uh, but a thing that you can be. Uh, so check them out. A lot of fun. And then also check out WGT for the DNVR Fantasy Open this weekend. Get in on all the fun. Go to dnvrgolf.com. 
download the app from there to show them you're one of the one of the family. Then when you get in, go into the uh, country clubs and type in DNVR three no space the letter three and get in on all of it so you can play along with us in the tournaments. It's a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, and if you like if you like golf at all, you'll love it. And if you like games on your phone at all, you'll love it as well. Yeah, and it's. Honestly, it's the best game that I have on my iPad right now, and that's where the device I play it on. And uh, yeah, it's tremendous. Actually, apparently, some people take it like off the iPad or the iPhone, and they throw it up through Apple TV screen mirroring on their flat screen. I might have to try that. Turn it into a huge experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there's also a a addition you can get to it to actually mm-hmm. swing the club. I know. I someone pointed that out in the comments section. And I'm like, I have to get that. I yeah. have to get that. That would be so much fun. It'd be like having a, one of those mini, like one of those uh, driving simulators right there that you'd have in your basement. I don't have room for that, but I could find a, I could find a way to have room for that little extender and uh, app. That'd be fun. For maybe maybe the dingo ate your baby. Did it? <laughs> did I hit the deadline? Us fans have been spoiled watching the super uber hyped Brady versus Manning duels over the last two decades. If you're looking at a QB versus QB hype wagon that will take us into the 2030s, who's going to be Mahomes' counterpart barring injuries? Watson? Mayfield? Locke? Ooh, because they have to play frequently. And unfortunately, the Chiefs and Seahawks aren't going to play enough because for my money, the top two quarterbacks, the ones I would take hands down are Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson but they play every four years unless the NFL decides with that 17th game to make Kansas city, Seattle, the interconference rivalry game that's on their schedule every year. And you know what? That's the sort of thing they may think about. We would stink for the Broncos because I'd love it if they had the Seahawks as their the rival. Cardinals. Yeah. It could work. That, that, that could work. So failing that because you have to have games on a regular basis, I could right now, I mean, Drew Locke, that is, boy, that would be awesome if it worked out that way. I'd still put my money down on Deshaun Watson, even though I don't think the Texans get there until Bill O'Brien is no longer coaching that team. Yeah, totally. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is the guy because mm-hmm. those two have the capability of playing every year as long as they keep finishing at the top of their divisions, uh, as they will this year. And the games so far have been really good. Oh, they've been great. I, but I think the reason why I didn't say Lamar is maybe the Dingo H.O. baby talked about taking us in the 2030s. And Lamar Jackson has to become more of a pocket passer, whereas Mahomes and Deshaun Watson already have the ability and the desire to stay in the pocket and just fire away. And that usually lends itself to a longer career. Lamar has to evolve a little bit. If he does, absolutely you're talking about that. But for now, I'm still going to put my money on Deshaun. Yeah, uh, I love that because I just drafted Deshaun Watson in my <laughs> dynasty league, uh, which, you know, that could be 10 years uh, yeah. that we run that dynasty league. And I'm thinking, man, what happened? What I'm hoping for is that eventually the Texans fire Bill O'Brien and hire Lincoln Riley. Oh, <laughs> oh my. That's, that's my goal. That's, that's dangerous for everybody else in the AFC, but for them, that'd be thrilling. I mean, yeah, as, a, as someone who covers the Broncos, I don't want to see it <laughs> because they, that would be a problem for them and everyone else in the conference, but it'd be fun to watch. 
Still can't believe the Bears <laughs> took Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson. Oh, <laughs> that will never stop blowing my mind. I watched every game Trubisky played, and I wouldn't have taken Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson. I don't, was, know, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I don't either. And, like, you know, I've said, it, I've said it on this podcast before, but Deshaun Watson was the easiest quarterback evaluation I've ever done uh, mm-hmm. when I watched them. I was just like, this guy is a baller. He's going to be great in the NFL. Like, it's a foregone conclusion. Like, I can't even say I said that about Patrick Mahomes because I did not. But I did with Deshaun Watson. I was like, this guy plays the biggest in the biggest games. He's extremely talented. He's got the arm. He's got the feet. Like, what, what more do you want? Yeah, and when you geared a great defense to stop him, he still shreds you. I think when I wrote some notes down on him from one game, I think the first line on my notes was, he has it, it in all caps. That, yep. that just encapsulates Deshaun Watson. He's got the it factor oozing from every pore. He does, and I think Drew Locke has it too. Uh, last one here from Fumbles. I heard Oprah was at the first half of the scrimmage today handing out INTs. Did you guys see her fumbles? You you get an INT. You get an INT. You get an INT. Oh boy. I don't it wasn't that bad, was <laughs> no. it? Uh, well, it wasn't that bad, but it, it's it's the story of the day. And when we have a limited sample size playing at full speed, full contact, we're gonna we're gonna cling to that, unfortunately. And you know, I think again, John Elway warned us month ago temper the expectations and a day like this may reinforce that a little bit doesn't mean i'm tempering my expectations on this being a playoff team just means i'm tempering my expectations for the offense carrying this team in 2020 totally totally and uh the one thing you don't have to temper your expectations for is green mountain dental group they always live up to the expectations and they'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with them right now. So if you're at all in the metro area, Green Mountain Dental goes right over there in Lakewood. And man, they do one hell of a job. So make sure you check them out. Talk to them. They're big Colorado sports fans. And I appreciate them. And you should too. Check them out. Get your free Sonicare toothbrush and enjoy. But for tonight, that's going to do it for us on the DNVR Broncos podcast. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Mason, appreciate you for riding with me to, to like- 745 on this Saturday night. And uh, we'll be having an off day tomorrow, but we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. All right. See ya. See you guys. It's getting-